So I want us to think together a little bit uh, this morning. You know, I want you to think of a moment when you stepped into something that was not your idea. Like a moment that you had to be pushed, you had to be prodded, you had to be encouraged a little bit. Uh, Mine came in 2005. It was my 21st birthday. I was in college, and I had a ginormous crush on a football cheerleader named Michaela Marshall, and everybody knew it. That's just sort of how I live my life. Here it all is. And I was in my dorm room, Burgess Hall, 319, and some of my buddies were like, hey, we're going out for supper for your birthday. Why don't you, like, call Michaela and invite her to come? And I was like, yeah, right. And then they started chanting, you know. And so you know what happens when people in your life around you begin to chant. You have to do what they're chanting. That's just what that is. So they're like, call her now, call her now, right? So I called her, and she was living in the women's dorm at USF, uh, Grand Island, and she answered, and I, in a very impressive chain of events, said, hey, Dave, this is Michaela. <laughs> Shoot. And I uh, wasn't really sure what to do next, and she's so sweet and so kind much of the time, and <laughs> she said to me, um, did you just say, hey, Dave, this is Michaela? Because I just kept on talking. I'm like, hey, we're going to go to Granite City for my birthday. It'd be really fun. She's like, yeah, I know it's your birthday. You had like a birthday pin on in class today and all that. And um, mortified. But she came to supper with like 20 other people. She was wearing a yellow sweater, and now we're married and have two kids. So that's amazing for me. Uh, but I want us to think together about the power of those kinds of moments. You know, because we get called into stuff, we get pushed into stuff, and we really have uh, an opportunity and a choice in how we're going to respond to the promptings, like how we're going to respond to the guidance. And it isn't always three friends who turn into groomsmen sometime later who are encouraging of us. Sometimes it's the Holy Spirit of God that wants to lead us away from some place and lead us towards something else. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be unpacking this character in the scriptures that we meet. His name's Simon. And Simon is a very complicated character. But he's a character that a lot of us can really identify well with. He doesn't have all of his stuff together doesn't have all the I's dotted and T's crossed. His drawers are not night tightly organized, and he's got a lot of stuff to figure out. And that's sort of why I love him, because I find a lot of commonality with somebody that doesn't have it all figured out, but who is trying to do his best to follow Jesus in his own broken way, in his broken spirit. And what I love about the scriptures, what I love about the Bible, is that the Bible is not interested in lifting up a bunch of heroes, like a bunch of people who did it all right, like a bunch of people who did it perfectly, but a bunch of people who stood up and who swung and missed a lot. People who got stuff wrong more than they got it right. 
Because in the scriptures, it's not the characters who are the hero, it's the risen King Jesus who is victor, who is hero, the one who brings life. And I love, there's this guy, Scott Sauls, uh, who's a pastor in Nashville, and I love, this is what he says, that the Bible's most exemplary saints shed their masks in favor of transparency and self-disclosure. They saw the value of sometimes putting their worst foot forward as a way to show a watching world how long and high and wide and deep is the love of God. And as someone on the worship team said this morning, we could just leave that up there. That could be the sermon and I could sit down and we could go have lunch today. But I love that about the scriptures. That it's not the heroes. It's not the success, but it's often the brokenness that is so powerful for us to come around. So we want to look a little bit about this moment when Simon Peter gets pushed into something that he wasn't planning on. So Luke chapter 5, verse 1, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret with the people crowded around him and listening to the word of God. So there's a huge crowd that has come to hear Jesus teach. And if you tripped or you choked over Gennesaret, that's just the Hebrew name for the Sea of Galilee, okay? So if you ever find yourself in a Bible class at the University of Sioux Falls, that's the answer. Don't get it wrong, Dave. Hebrew name for the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus is teaching. There's a huge crowd. Like he's a, an amazing teacher, and we know that because people were interested in what he had to say, they were pressing in. So much so that Jesus was running out of room. And so he had to kind of distance himself from the crowd. And it's really interesting that there's a huge crowd that's come to hear Jesus, but we will see by the end of this narrative, by the end of this story, the crowd disappears. This crowd disintegrates like a bath bomb in your bathtub. Like it's gone. And there's only a few people who are interested in following Jesus. And that tells us that there is a big difference between listening to Jesus and being a disciple of Jesus. Because the crowd is big. Like the crowd's so big that it impacts Jesus' plan for how that day it was going to go. How that teaching time was going to unfold. And there's just a really big difference in listening to what Jesus has to say and actually following the way that he's communicating, being a disciple of his. A disciple hears and then acts. A disciple listens and then obeys. And I think there's this warning in the text for our modern world. Like to not allow our greatest act of faithfulness to God be listening. Like, don't let our greatest act of faithfulness to God to be, like, showing up at church. Even though I love you're here, please keep showing up. I like spending time with you. But let's make sure that's not, like, our greatest act of faithfulness or, like, listening to a message during the week. Let's not just be listeners. 
Let's not simply hear the words of Jesus, but let's actually, instead of being like the crowd, let's be like the disciples and be interested actually in our brokenness, in our frailty, in messing it up. Be interested in following the way of Jesus. You know, the testimony of the Bible is that listeners fall away. They fall away. Like, who's around Jesus at his hour of need? It's not the crowd. Because we know what happens to the crowd. At the beginning of the week, the crowd says, Hosanna, Hosanna. Like, save us, son of David. Like, welcome into Jerusalem. Welcome to the city that belongs to you. And by the end of the week, they're shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. The Bible says that listeners fall away. But disciples, people who are committed to the way of Jesus, persevere to the end. And can I tell you that I think the greatest miracle in the Christian life is perseverance. Like the book of Acts, we're going to look at that later in 2022. We're going to kind of go through. It's an amazing book, amazing stories, like people coming to life and people being healed and blind people who can see and people who can't walk get to walk. It's amazing. Can I tell you the greatest miracle I believe in the scriptures is the perseverance of God's people. That's made possible by the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. What a miracle. To get to the end of someone's life, And the testimony is, I stayed. The testimony is, I didn't quit. The testimony is, I remained. The testimony is, I continued to walk, even though I maybe walked slowly. Like, I didn't become interested in some other way of life, and I kind of walked away from it, but step by step, moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, season by season, I persevered into end. It's maybe the greatest miracle that we could be praying for God to do in our life. God, would you help me persevere? Would you help me walk faithfully? And because Jesus is raised from the dead, that power that lived and reigned and ruled within him is given to us. So the power that Jesus holds is power that Jesus extends, that he shares, that he gives, that he lavishes. So do you know that you're lavished in power today? Do you know that? You're covered in it. You can't get away from it. Like the smell that happens when you go to Subway. You smell like it for a week. Do you know that today, church? So then the story continues in verse 2. Oh my gosh, that's all verse 1. We are in trouble. Speaking of subway. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. So can I tell you that Peter and James and John are professionals. Like, they're not working for the weekend kind of fishermen. This is what they did. This was their life. This is the thing that they knew. And they had been fishing all night, and they didn't catch anything. Have you ever had a really bad day at work? 
Have you ever had like vocational failure? Have you ever tried to teach somebody, all the teachers in the room, and the kids weren't interested? It was the day after Halloween in all, everybody's defense. But have you had a moment like that? Like you did the presentation at work and the whole thing bombed. Like the PowerPoint wouldn't work. It like froze and you're on the Zoom call giving the presentation and then your face is frozen. Like if you had, if you stood in that moment, this is the moment that's happened to Peter and James and John. You know, they have these nets. Not, not, this isn't exactly like this. This is from Amazon. This is not like, you know, from any kind of biblical museum it's not from heaven and that's for sure but just from amazon but it kind of helps us have a picture of what this would have looked like you know and they kind of throw these nets and they land in the water and they sink to the bottom and it pulls the fish in and then you bring the fish into your boat it's really easy peter and james and john have been fishing all night like they put in a full night's work and have nothing to show for it. They didn't catch a single thing. So what do you do when you have vocational failure? You prepare to try again. And so they're washing their nets. They're prepping their nets. Those nets would get ripped. And the water in the Sea of Galilee is powerful. and would rip those nets apart so they would kind of retie them and rework them and clean them right before they go home and crash like we all do after a long day of work. And this is the moment that Jesus breaks in. Verse 3, Jesus got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down, and taught the people from the boat. There's a couple things about this that I find hilarious. I don't know if you've ever tried to sit down in a boat that's moving, but I just wonder like how Jesus was, was doing that. That's one thing that pops just into my kind of crazy mind. But Jesus needs more room because the, the crowds are pressing in. And so he pushes out into the water. And I don't know about you, but in my mind, in my heart, this would have been an amazing moment for the walking on water miracle. I mean, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not deciding or telling Jesus where he, when he should have done what, but I'm just thinking how amazing that would have been. He's teaching, then all of a sudden he just starts going like this. and walk. How amazing would that have been? But that's not the time that Jesus chooses for that miracle, is it? I think it's so beautiful that Jesus involves us in his kingdom work, in his plan. And so he takes a boat that does not belong to him in the same way he will take a donkey that does not belong to him when he rides into the heavenly city. I find that beautiful. And it's not so much that Jesus doesn't have a boat he can use, that the whole earth belongs to him. But he uses Simon Peter's boat. And Simon Peter needs to give the boat. Jesus doesn't need the boat. He could have used anybody's boat, but there's something powerful that happens here. Peter needs to know he's involved in the mission of God. Like he's involved in what God wants to do. And so Peter needs the opportunity to give what he has, to place what he has in the hand of God. 
you know, if we're going to be a listener, if we want to be part of the crowd, then we're going to find ourselves saying, like, God, make it the way that I want it. Like, make my life the way that I want it. Make my church the way that I want. But if we're going to be a disciple, what we will hear ourselves saying, what people will experience us saying is, here's what I have to give. Here's what I have to offer. Those are very different things. One is to make it the way that I want it, the way that I like it, the way that's convenient and good for me. And the other is like, sacrifice. Here's what I have to offer. Here's what I have to give. Here's what I have to place in your hands. And I'll just let you guess which kind of person Jesus is interested in spending time around. Verse 4. When he had finished speaking, I love that it doesn't say for how long. This could have been hours, you guys. We have no idea. We think in our minds, like, oh, a 30-minute sermon, I bet. That's doubtful. He's probably talking a while. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I don't know if anybody in your life has ever given you instructions for something that you have already done. Has that happened to anybody in the house? If it has, don't worry. Or if you've given instructions to somebody for something they've already done, Jesus did it too. So you're in good company. He says to Peter, go out into deep water and let down the nets. What I love about this is Jesus completely disregards Peter's past and his expertise. This is what Peter does every day, all day long. Happens to be at night, I know. But he totally disregards that. And then in verse 5, Peter responds to him, calls him master. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. So Peter's speaking out of his expertise, but Jesus is asking him to lay down his expertise. Like, put away your experience. Put away what you know. Because there's something new that I want to do. There's something new that I want to show you. And it's so interesting. You know, it's, there's a double offense here. Because it's really the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, there's no fish. How do we know there's no fish? Because they spent all night going back and forth and back and forth. Let's try. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a fisherman, but I kind of think that way. Well, if there's no fish here, let's maybe go over here. I don't know. It's like when you can't find your car keys or your phone. Maybe they're here. Maybe they're here. Maybe they're there. Maybe my toddler put it in the oven. Right? We don't know where it is. This is what the fishermen are doing. Because that's what I would do. I don't know what you would do, but that's what I would do. I would try here and there, and it sounds like a Dr. Seuss book, here and there and everywhere. Where are the fish? That's what they spent the whole night doing. And she's like, no, you guys, you got to go out into the deep water. And I just imagine Peter being like, what? Out into the deep water? There's no fish. It's the wrong place, and it's definitely the wrong time. And we fished at night. I say we, they fished at night for obvious reasons because the fish can't see the net. 
So that was a very popular time to go and fish. But in the middle of the day, during the day, it's not a great time. Jesus disregards Peter's past and his expertise. He's just, just do what I'm telling you to do. Just go out into the deep water and let down the nets. And then something crazy happens. They do that. They let down their nets. And they have an amazing, overwhelming catch. And I think Luke wants us to see something. I think Luke wants us to see that there is a huge difference between doing something and doing something at the command of Jesus. Like it's one thing to do something because you think it's a good idea. It's one thing to do something because it's part of your expertise, it's part of your experience, part of your own wisdom, part of your own power, part of your own gifts. And it's very different to do something because Jesus has commanded you, asked you, invited you to do it. Verse 7. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them because, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. So their catch fills the boats that they have there. I love that it doesn't just fill the nets, it fills the boats. And then verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And you know, and Peter's right. I mean, he's broken. And as we follow the life of Peter in this series, we're going to see that he makes mistakes, that he gets it wrong, that he's on the wrong side of things often. You know, there's this guy, St. Gregory, who lives like a thousand years after Jesus. He's the Archbishop of Thessalonica. And there's this prayer that's attributed to him, and maybe you've heard it. If you've been around church, you've maybe heard it. And it's just really simple. It just goes, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I think that when Gregory is thinking about that prayer, I think he's thinking of this moment between Jesus and Peter. When he falls at the knees of Jesus and says, go away from me, Lord. What I love about this in the life of Peter is that Peter speaks for himself. Peter doesn't speak for James. He doesn't speak for John. He doesn't speak for anyone else, but he speaks for himself. And oh, if we could capture some of that in our world, we might be better off. If we could speak for ourselves. Instead of speaking for what somebody else should do, where someone else is, but what about first person? Like what about where we are, where we stand? And when I think about the life experience of Peter, I think Peter would tell us that grace flows downhill. I think he would tell us that it flows toward the humble, but it flows away from the proud. That in the moments of Peter's brokenness, of his frailty, when his humanness, 
his humanity shows. It's interesting that it's in those moments that he bumps into grace. But it's in the moments of pride when we have it all figured out and we don't really need anything that we are searching for grace in the way that the fishermen are searching for fish and they can't find it. I think it's beautiful to think about grace flowing downhill, that it meets us in our time of need and in our brokenness. And then verse 10, I'm going to invite the band up as we close this morning. Verse 10. Then Jesus says to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So Peter says, Simon says to Jesus, Get away from me, Lord. I'm broken, I'm a sinner. And I love that Jesus just says to him, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Notice that Jesus doesn't say, Peter, don't feel afraid. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus just doesn't want fear to lead Peter around like a dog in a leash telling him where to go, having fear so overwhelm his person that he can't think, that he can't breathe, that he can't experience the grace and the freedom and the love and the power and the belonging that Jesus has come to give him. He doesn't say don't feel afraid. But don't be defined by fear. Don't let it lead you around. And so I just want to say that to the church today. Like, don't let fear be this leash around your collar that tells you where to go and tells you what to do, when to start and when to stop. Like, like fear is a bad shepherd. It's a bad shepherd, and I'm not saying we're never going to feel it because we are. But do not place yourself in a frame of mind, in a way of thinking that this is how I operate, that there's like no other way but fear. But instead to be led by the good shepherd, it's like, hey, don't be afraid. And Jesus is saying to Peter, you're going to follow me and it's going to be hard. You're going to follow me and you're going to lose stuff. And I'm not talking about your wallet. Like I'm talking about reputation. Like you're going to lose people. Like you're going to lose stature. I mean, do you, do you think that the people who didn't whisper like, hey, those dudes like used to be fishermen and they were like really successful and like seemed to work out and now they just like follow around this like random guy around Galilee. They're like super weird. Like it's going to be hard. Like you thought fishing was hard? How about following a Messiah that nobody wants to affirm? And who's waiting that this Messiah is going to do what Messiahs do. Messiahs tackle Rome and Jesus doesn't do that. He just goes around healing people and teaching. And hoping somebody has a house he can sleep in because he doesn't have a home. Like it's going to be hard. But in the end, let me tell you about the end. 
in the end, your boats will not remain empty. God promises to fill them through the power of his name. And there will be a moment when those boats that are full of fish, we will push up on the shore of the life that is to come. And you will sit face to face with the king of the universe who is both first and last. Do not be afraid to move beyond listening to obeying because the one who calls you is the God of the shore. But he's also the God of the deep water. And that might be our work today. To move from listening to obeying, to move from the shore, to joining God in what he wants to do in the deep water even when we feel afraid. Today might be the day where we drop the leash in Jesus' name. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you today for the scripture. And we thank you for the power of it. We thank you for the power of story. We thank you for the places that our humanity, that our brokenness show up. And we thank you, God, that you involve us that you invite us, that you want to be team with us. That is amazing. And so God, I want to pray over the house today. The dropping of the leash that has carried, pushed so many of us around and also the, the reality that you see something useful in us even when we don't. And you desire to use that useful thing in us for building up your kingdom for your own good purposes. So God, would you help us not just listen, but would you help us trust? Would you help us obey? Would you help us follow? In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? We're going to sing one more song together.